from the Ellen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios high atop two Turtle Creek. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. This is your host, Ryan Trimble, joined today by my aspiring minimalist co-host, Sean Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Good day, Ryan Trimble. You know, I think we've been doing this show so long now, uh, you know, over a year, that our lives are slowly merging together. <laughs> I mean, we will talk about how we're both getting married, um, but yes. now we're, we're both on the Fitbit train, you know? I mean, I see you. Last week, I was like, ah, oh, man, you know, I'm not going to worry about Ryan, but I see you really creeping up uh, in these steps. I'm so chasing you, Sean I Williams. see that. I chasing see that. You. So, you know, I will have to continue to get my steps in because you're right, right, breathing down my neck. I got to catch steps, Williams, over here. But we both have uh, have been uh, become students of Marie Kondo recently and her tidying yes. exhibition. So, I mean, you were... You and Lauren were looking at it first because you guys watched the Netflix special, right? Well, let, let me let me count the ways in which we are tidying up our lives, Sean. <laughs> uh, I think this all began when, oh gosh, I don't know. We're just on it, and we are we are in full KonMari mode, sir. So we've watched the the legendary Marie Kondo documentary, Tidying Up, on Netflix. We've watched. 10 12 episodes of it i mean it's and it's great and i love her she's she's outstanding she's bringing joy to my life um but and she's making sure that your items bring joy to your life also precisely precisely lauren is also on uh, i don't know what it is it's a i think it's a mommy blog that's like 30 minutes a day of tidying so you'll be proud of me sean uh, as you know and as you've noted many times i wore a suit for about 10 years and so i had literally four racks of neckties. (laughs) Well, you'll be proud to know that I went down one day, took me my 30-minute window of tidying, I knocked out uh, two whole racks of neckties. So now I only have two, and they're very organized, and all the ties I have bring me joy. So how about that, Sean? Well, I have not watched the special yet, um, or the show at all. But I have bought the book. I did start this week, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, uh, written by Marie Kondo. And so I'm about 50 pages in, and she's setting the stage of of tidying by category and tidying kind of in one fell swoop and not, you know, putting all your items on the floor and seeing which ones bring you joy. But don't get in too big of a hurry to put them back up until you have discarded all the items that need to be discarded. I mean, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm really looking forward. I'm trying not to, to jump the gun on this. Um, but I really, you know, really was inspired by, um, I mean, because I've heard about the items bringing you joy and uh-huh. my closet actually has gotten down I bet I'm already without having to go through this exercise about 80% on my closet because I've heard this get your closet or get your items to bring you joy uh, and and so I look at my shirts and that I might have gotten on sale because something was going out of business and I was like you know what that doesn't fit great and I don't really love this and so I put it in the bag so I'm getting there but man I still like books I got a lot cleaning supplies, the books are hard. dishes, yeah, and um, sentimental items. Yeah, it'll be difficult. Get ready; it's difficult, <laughs> but you'll get through it, and you'll find joy. And you know what it'll do, Sean? It'll free you up for more time to do more podcasting. Because I know 
that our podcast brings you joy, sir. Absolutely. Deconstructing Dallas isn't going anywhere. And and I you know what else brings me joy? And I think we'll hear a little bit of it going in the break, but the you got Conmarid video that you sent me. <laughs> yes. Uh, we can post a link to that on social media, but that, that also brought me joy. The Holderness family, the the YouTube uh, internet sensation family. Uh, look, I bet some people think they're really dorky, but I thought He had a pretty good flow, I thought. I thought it was pretty, pretty funny and uh you know, I'm with you. I'm with you, Penn Holderness. Pretty <laughs> interesting times. So uh, good luck to you all. Highly recommend uh, bringing some joy to your life, being a minimalist, and hey, and tidying up and, your life. And tidying up your life. And uh, hopefully, you know, you have some more room in your life for us, too. So uh, what do we got going on today, Sean? You know, today was is an exciting show that we've been looking forward to for a while, really since we got started with... Deconstructing Dallas, we talked about having a show where we talk about gaming and the gaming industry. And I know there was a point when I came in, first started talking about gaming and Overwatch League, where you kind of were like, "Ah, I mean, I played games back in the day, but what's the big deal? And the more we talked about it, the more we saw that this is a huge business. It's huge in North Texas. And today we are going to be talking to Mike Rufail, who is the owner of Team Envy and who is also the owner of the Dallas Fuel, uh, who just completed their first season in the Overwatch League last year and is about to kick off their second season in Overwatch League here in just about a week or so. Yeah, really cool stuff. I love the logo, by the way. Like, I love the Dallas Fuel. Y'all go online, DallasFuel.com. Check these guys out. This is this is sensational stuff. The logo is great. Uh, get your gear. But this is the Overwatch League. This is a first-person shooter type game. Uh, kind of World of Warcraft meets Halo meets, uh, I don't know. Call, Call of Duty. Call of Duty. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's kind of all in. And this is a little bit, it's got a little bit of something for everybody. Um, you know, we were watching. And some of the some of the clips on YouTube from Overwatch and before uh, you know before we started the show and man it is it is wild to watch it is next level stuff so really excited to get into the the uh, interview today with with Mike yeah in the Overwatch League because they have you know teams that are based in cities they play all their games in in Los Angeles and we'll talk to Mike a little bit about how that's going to change a little bit for Dallas this season but. You know, you got the Houston Outlaws, the Seoul Dynasty, the Paris Eternal, the Los Angeles Valiant, um, you know, and, and different cities are able to follow their teams just like the NFL, just like Major League Soccer, uh, just like hockey. So I think, you know, talking to Mike, I just want to talk about what is brought to the league because there are so many games that people follow. Halo, um, like I said, Counter-Strike, Call of Duty, but Overwatch has really brought this into a format that people can relate to because we're used to watching our Cowboys or we're used to watching our Mavericks. And now if you live in Dallas, you can follow the fuel. Yeah. So I'll be cheering for the home team, Sean, and uh, looking forward to getting into this uh, to this interview. So let's jump right in after this break. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Thanks for tuning in.
from a baby's first steps to walking your daughter down the aisle. So many of life's precious moments are spent on our feet, and every step you take contributes to a healthier heart. By walking briskly for just 30 minutes a day, you can lower your risk for heart disease and stroke. So join us and take the first step to a healthier, longer life. The American Heart Association. Life. Life is why. Constructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Ryan, you know, we've been trying to do a gaming show literally since we started, and I'm really excited that finally uh, our dream is coming true. Uh, and it could not be a better guest. We have with us Mike Rufail, who's the founder and CEO of Envy Gaming Inc. with us today. So, Mike, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you guys for having me. So, I just want to start with just gaming. You know, when I was back in my day, you know, Duck Hunt, Super Mario <laughs> Brothers, I mean, it started there, right? That's but now, my, that's my day too, right? So. I mean, back in the day. And now we're uh, at a point where this has monetized, there's a business structure around it. But um, can you talk a little bit about like your background and how you got into gaming and how you um, kind of became uh, where now Team Envy is really what everybody's kind of looking to emulate across the country? Sure. Yeah, I started uh, where you started. Those are exactly the games that got me. <laughs> hooked on video games. My dad pre-ordered a Nintendo, and so uh, I remember he picked it up from Sears. Uh, I was born in 83, so I must have been like four four years old, five mm-hmm. years old, and, uh, you know, started playing games with him and got hooked, and back then, Nintendo had a nice little long life cycle there where they were kind of the dominant console, and so uh, my mother was a very smart woman. I always tell everybody this story. Uh, she noticed how much I loved video games as a young child, so she used it as a bribe, and uh, every time I would bring home a straight-A report card, it meant that I could go to uh, one of the stores and get a new Nintendo game, so every six weeks, I uh, brought home a straight-A report card, and, you know, the, the I really, at that time, didn't care about you know what that meant i just cared that i brought got a new nintendo game sure. so that's what really got me hooked and um it was a, a nice cycle i guess throughout my life where i i would get rewarded with video games so at an early age that's where my love for video games started but i also was a competitive athlete you know my whole life i played club soccer uh, all the way through college um played baseball football i was always outside you know playing a lot uh in addition to gaming at night and so uh, the team atmosphere and the competitive spirit I guess I had uh, led me to uh, jump into uh, competitive video games as a hobby really and, and that's where all, all of eSports kind of started it was never about the money when you know you could you could only make about 10 grand you know in sure. a year if you were the absolute best so nobody really was chasing the money back then it was more of a, a hobbyist thing so um, it, it was definitely a way for me to express my competitive nature and and have fun with it and eventually grew into a business. Yeah, well, I have some nostalgia, too. We were joking earlier. My first uh, shooting game that I loved was Mega Man 3, and that's probably the last game I was <laughs> any good at, actually. But I remember, you know, growing up, at one point it changed to the first-person shooter stuff, and I remember GoldenEye. Mm-hmm. Man, it was GoldenEye 
all day, every day. Oh, yeah. All my friends were playing it. You know, in between basketball tournaments, we'd play, be playing between games. Everybody's playing Goldeneye. Yeah. And so I think that may be a really key moment in all this to where we've gone to now. You know, you've got Overwatch, you've got uh, Halo, you've got all these different games that are first-person shooter. Is is that? What would you say is, is like a historical moment that changed to what we have now? Yeah, there's so many so many little leaps, right, that happened. Um, Goldeneye was certainly one of them. I was in high school, and you know my my soccer team was one of the better prep soccer teams in the yeah. country. We were you know badass soccer team, but uh, in the before matches or after practice, we were playing Goldeneye. Yeah, right. And it was just something that that was fun to do against each other, and mm-hmm. again, feel feels that competitive spirit. So. Um, yeah, GoldenEye definitely was one of those games that kind of spawned a lot of competition amongst each sure. other in like the shooter genre. But uh, Halo was a, a huge innovation. Uh, Call of Duty uh, was also there, and a game called Counter Strike uh, on the PC. Those that era uh, really helped fuel organized esports, and um, you started to see you know a world a world tour with the Halo um, MLG Halo days. Major League Gaming had a it was really mostly a domestic tour around the country where they'd have these big open bracket Halo tournaments so uh, everybody at in the colleges and high schools that were playing with their buddies would come out and try and compete in their local Trying city win, when, yeah. when the tour stop was there and so they'd get hundreds of teams that show up and uh, lots of fans watching the best professional players in the world and eventually that aired on television kind of made another leap and it was kind of a, a wild wild west so to speak you know there were tournaments and everybody you, you saw that people were getting together and you would play but then it, it formalized and mm-hmm. you know it organized, and so I'm interested to know about that part of it because now there's just a total business model around gaming, which again eventuated into to something like Team Envy. So can you can you walk us from that point of like tournaments to to organization? Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, sure, I think yeah, I think it's still in many ways a little wild, wild west because mm-hmm. there are there are very few kind of permanent franchise positions available to, to franchise with the game publishers. Um, well. You know, I, I tell people we started off in kind of comic book stores, kind of uh, local. We had local tournaments mm-hmm. and that kind of scene, and uh, we evolved from there to kind of three-star hotel conference rooms. You know, uh, and then from there we kind of got into convention halls, mm-hmm. uh, and then from convention halls to bigger convention halls, and then to the largest arenas in the world. Um, and so that that kind of progression just took a little time for. Uh, for the fire to catch, I guess, uh, all around the world. And, uh, you know, I tell my team all the time that we should be starting little fires when it comes to spreading our team brand. And um, I think that's how the whole industry moved. It was, uh, there were all these little fires around the U.S. and around the world uh, where people were competing at a local level. And Mm -hmm. then some people uh, managed to organize a few nationally networked events and uh, where all those people kind of came to attend and represent. And so um, that uh, became much more popular as time went on. And now the game publishers took notice of that and started organizing and funding uh, tournaments for their games and leagues for their games. And and that's when we really caught fire. And so now you're seeing uh, we're kind of coming out of the experimental stage from gaming publishers where they're putting money into that Uh and now they're going full on into 
you know, kind of the formalization, corporatization of uh, structured leagues and franchise opportunities. Yeah, the production value of these games is amazing. I mean, you've got basically Hollywood Studios creating these games. Yeah. And so now you've got the, the, the industry, you know, we've created this amazing product, let's go market it, it seems like, and let's go sell yeah. it. And well, the sheer dollars that. that are in gaming are, are monumental. And so, uh, you know, I've heard statistics, people say that the total revenue of the video game industry uh, is more than the movie industry and the music industry yeah. combined. So if you take all of the, uh, you know, the, the movie industry and music industry and you take all their revenues and combine it, gaming still outpaces both of them. And so uh, the amount of money that was being funneled into gaming as gaming became more of a popular activity, uh, a lot of that money was able to kind of get reallocated into esports because it helps game publishers with player retention and marketing. And so... You know, it's it, it became this machine, and uh, to this day, you're seeing game publishers even invest more uh, of their dollars into esports structure. We've got Microfail with us. He is the CEO of Envy Gaming. I want to talk about your team and just kind of the games that your team play. Who can you tell us about? Who makes up your team? Where do you find players? Just kind of the structure. Sure. So uh, when we when we first look at a game, we always want to make sure that it's watchable. You know, that people mm-hmm. are going to want to tune in and, and watch. Our, our professional team playing that game and competing it in it has to have a good solid kind of core player base uh, and to find those players to be honest it's um it's difficult but we do have some resources that other sports don't have like uh in-game statistics right mm-hmm. so every time you log into a game and account for most of these games you're able to track your stats and the game is built on computer code so all those stats are, are typically pretty uh pretty accurate and reflect what's happening with a player and so we're able to kind of use in-game statistics as just a base baseboard um it's not the most heavily weighted thing that we look at because you know there are lots of different conditions in the games sure. that can can skew a player stats and there's also the factor of can that player perform in front of an audience you know is he going to get right. butterflies and the nerves and just completely <laughs> forget how to play the game which we've totally seen before from some players they're amazing playing online from their bedroom but when they get you know in front of 5,000 people the they fall apart yeah. right they put on the jersey and <laughs> you know they have to perform it, it, it kind of changes things and they get the shakes but uh, so there are a lot of factors that go into what we look for in a player and it's very probably similar to what you know an NBA team might look at look, sure. look at it for a professional player he might be seven foot tall and you know uh, be athletic and can can run the court but you know can he shoot the ball and can he you know play well under pressure and so uh, we look at a lot of different factors and um, just like any other sport we have kind of our own scouting methods and uh, a lot of it has to do with just you know raw talent coachability and the fact that you can remain calm under pressure and and you know hit the right shots when you need to so Man, I mean, it's really amazing, and it's growing so much. And 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 y'all were the first team to have a sponsor on your jerseys. I mean, you you all have Jack in the Box on the jerseys now. Mm-hmm. How yeah. did that come about? Uh, well. Our team was really successful in Overwatch before the franchising hit, yeah. and so we were coming into the league with a good core group of players, and um, we also were, you know, one of the darling teams around the world, if not, you know, kind of the most followed team coming into the league. And so, uh, to this day, you know, even even now, a year into the Overwatch league, we're we're the most engaged, most followed team in the league. Uh, and so, I think, you know, we between us having a great business team in the office, uh-huh. and uh, that that was able to go out and knock down doors and 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 talk to people about 
what we're offering in sponsorship, plus uh, the fact that Jake, Jack in the Box is a great progressive brand. You know, I think they they saw the opportunity and said, "Hey, this is a this is a new great thing, and why not sponsor yeah. the the best Amazing. and most followed team that we can yeah. we can find?" So, uh, we we got a good partnership there. You know, and, and you talked about the NBA when I when I really think of gaming, I do think about. Counter-Strike offensive. I think about a global offensive CSGO. I think about Overwatch. I think about Halo. But, you know, there are a lot of folks that play Madden or Mm -hmm. 2K. And they're, you know, the NBA teams are starting to really pick up. Mark Cuban has really been in the gaming. The Cowboys are getting into gaming or into gaming. So can you talk a little bit about the sports franchises and what you're seeing there and also playing the more sports-oriented games. Yeah, sure. So uh, I think it's great that the NBA and the MLS and mm-hmm. uh, the NFL supporting Madden tournaments, I mean, I think it's great that all of them are coming to the table and trying to uh, get involved. Um, you know, I think it's challenging, much more challenging for them to create a much bigger global, you know, uh, level esports mm-hmm. league mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, they're essentially broadcasting the same sport that right. That you can go watch, you know, at their home games, um, but I think they're seeing some success with it. I think what uh, Mark and, and the Mavericks are doing for their gaming team, Mavs Gaming, is, is amazing. It's incredible. Uh, I was just there a few days ago, um, visiting with them again at their their gaming center in Deep Ellum. Um, I think the, what they're doing is, is is really great for that uh, to build that culture of you know we're inclusive. We're gonna you know support where our fans are uh, the things that our fans care about, and I think 2K is definitely something that the, the Mavericks fans uh, engage with a lot. And so for them to go out and you know launch out into the, the 2K League with a, an eSports team is, is great. So I think uh, all those sports teams should be getting involved, and a lot of them really are at this point. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We're going to take a quick break, be right back, talk more Dallas Fuel. Thanks for t- tuning in. they say variety is the spice of life and if you're looking for spicy look no further than effing hot salsas hey friends it's your old pal rt here and take it from me if you're looking for the best variety of salsas jellies and other fiery concoctions look no further than effing hot salsa fn hot is created with the finest peppers and hand selected ingredients and what's even better effing hot is based right here in dallas and if my recommendation isn't enough get this Effin' Hot donates 5% of their annual profits to the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. So what are you waiting for? Get to the store and pick up your own jar of Effin' Hot Salsa today. It'll make you say, that's Effin' Hot! Welcome back. 
back. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We are with Mike Rufail, and we um, want to talk a little bit more about Overwatch specifically um, and Overwatch League. For those of you who don't know, Ryan and I were watching some matches on YouTube. Um, and so if you haven't seen Overwatch, you can see matches online now. But my son, Isaiah, built his first computer when he was 15. And like, I'm like, okay, cool, sounds great. I mean, but he went to YouTube, built this computer, and he did so so he could play Overwatch. And he is one of the biggest fans of Overwatch League. And so he got me watching and understanding. And basically, you know, I want you to talk about the significance about the Overwatch League uh, because it's something that I can relate to because you had teams in different cities and it, it was structured very much like a major league sports franchise. So can you talk about, you know, the first season of Overwatch League? Because I know you guys are about to kick off the second season and, and kind of how Dallas Fuel played in that and, and, and even looking forward to um, to season two. Sure. So uh, the Overwatch League is, is, in my opinion, the most exciting thing in all of esports. It's um, the first opportunity to have, like you said, uh, geographically located teams and um, the, the ability for us after doing this for you know 15 years almost to, to actually represent a city is an incredible opportunity and one that we're taking you know very seriously and we're happy about so um yeah it's it's just such a a refreshing league in all of esports because it's one where we have geographically located teams yeah. uh, two there's a, a very great business structure behind it that makes it very familiar and relatable to big brands and um, you know other corporate entities that want to get involved and send messaging to you know the young demographic that watches our our events and watching watches our matches and um, you know it basically is something that takes some of the best elements of traditional professional sports uh, and then adds in this really amazing uh, new age uh, kind of concept with video games and it merges the two together and I think that's what the most exciting thing about it is is that we're taking basically one of the globe's uh, most favorite hobbies in gaming and combining it with one of the most favorite entertainment mediums in professional sports and so um, it's been a real joy helping to upstart the league and working with the league's partners and the other team owners to deliver you know a product that's really great for fans all over the world and uh, we're making great progress in all the things that we're doing there so really exciting and why is dallas an important market in this whole big picture of the overwatch league what, what makes dallas unique i mean you've got an la team you've got a new york team obviously but but why dallas uh, Dallas is one a great sports town. I mean, it's just you, nobody can deny that uh, the the fans in Dallas across all their sports titles uh, have been phenomenal, very supportive. Uh, it's been an activity for a lot of families and, and people around DFW for years to, to go out and support the sports teams here. Uh, that and we're a growing market. Uh, the population is growing uh, in, in a big way. Uh, I think we're slated here to pass Chicago as the the number three sports market here. Pretty soon so uh, after New York and LA will be will be up there uh, passing Chicago uh, as far as I know in terms of population and, and the, the demographic of our, 
the market. So uh, Dallas uh, is also been a, has also been great in esports for many years, ho- holding some of the earlier esports events here. You know, 15 years ago with Counter Strike, and Counter Strike has always been you know holding a lot of their major and world championships mm-hmm. here. So um, there's been a lot of buzz around Dallas and with esports for years, and and I think that's also what contributed to us wanting to move here. Aside from me being a born and raised Texan, <laughs> sure. uh, and, and Ken, you know, obviously, yeah. uh, being here in, in, in Dallas. So, yeah, and Ken, uh, we're talking about Ken Hirsch, who's who's one of your uh, key investors. That's right. In in uh, the Dallas Fuel, and who is also the head of the George W. Bush Presidential Library, of all things. Yeah. So, uh, you know, big foresight by Mr. Hirsch to to jump in. Yeah, and so you know, aside from you know our own passion for Texas and our own passion for Dallas, we uh, we just thought it was a great market to be in, and, and that's why we bought the, the franchise here. And so uh, we wanted to make sure that this city had some of the best operators of a team. So season two of, of Overwatch League is is upon us, February fifteenth. You guys are going to have a big watch party at the Arlington Esports Stadium, and you know I remember and I talked to Shea Butler some last year uh, when he came on board with you guys about like you I, my, my I recall that there was a watch party that you guys were scheduling like in the Southside area, mm-hmm. Southside Lamar area mm-hmm. for the first season. It was like hey come out and you guys planned for that and there was like triple the amount of people that came. Yeah. Out than you plan for because there's so much yeah. excitement uh, and, and there's so many people coming to support your team. So what can Overwatch fans expect from Season 2? The Dallas Fuel uh, didn't fare as high in the rankings as you wanted to. I know on the second half of the season you guys came on strong, uh, but what can Overwatch fans look forward to from the Dallas Fuel this year? Yeah, so uh, going back to the, the, that first watch party, we we had one bar as a location mm-hmm. you know, in Southside and um, we ended up filling three bars and having a lot of other overspill around mm-hmm. in that city block so we took over pretty much we pretty much took over south side mm-hmm. uh, in Dallas that night and um, that was our coming out party where we knew we had um, a great fan base here it was kind of our first look at it <clears throat> but uh, yeah we had a kind of rough a little bit of a rough start to the last season but we we certainly came on strong as one of the top teams in the league at the end of the season mm-hmm. and the fans can expect for us to build on that um, we've made a lot of changes within the team in terms of how we're um, how we're training. We built a new training facility out, out in Los Angeles for this season specifically before we come to Dallas next year. Uh, we have a kind of a revitalized coaching staff. We brought in a couple new players. Uh, they're all working extremely hard, and we've kind of really gone more with a systematic approach to, to the 2019 season. So I think we're going to be pretty competitive, and um, the fans can look forward to a lot of a lot more local activations here with us. So uh, we didn't waste any time this time around. We're, we're starting with a watch party on the 15th mm-hmm. at the Esports Stadium in Arlington. Uh, you can come out and support the, the team in their first home game. Uh, or sorry, not their first home game, but their first match of the mm-hmm. season. And so uh, right off the bat, we're committed to holding more watch parties. Uh, in addition, we'll play the what is essentially the first ever home match in esports history. And that is April 27th and 28th. We'll be hosting seven other Overwatch League teams here uh, for a combined That's eight awesome. teams. Uh, you'll, you'll get to be able to see eight matches over two days that Saturday and Sunday, April 27th and 28th. Uh, and those uh, matches will take place in, at the Allen Event Center in Allen, Texas. So we're expecting a sellout crowd uh, upwards of 5,000 people per day. 
Well, Mike, Sean one day came into the office sporting a brand-new Dallas Fuel hat that I come <laughs> to find out he stole from his son. So, Isaiah, if you're looking for it, your dad has your hat. I got you, uh, Isaiah. Don't worry. I'll bring you a gift. <laughs> but if, if our listeners and other Fuel fans want to learn more, where can they find tickets for the event coming up with the, the kickoff, the watch party? Where can they get their gear? Where can they follow you? Yeah, so uh, all of our social media is pretty much Dallas Fuel, so you can follow Dallas Fuel on Twitter. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, at Dallas Fuel, uh, DallasFuel.com for more information about tickets to our event in Allen. Um, our Twitter feed usually posts a lot about our watch parties and so yeah. on. So uh, I would I would highly recommend following us there on Twitter. Uh, video content comes out on YouTube pretty consistently. Uh, YouTube.com/slash Dallas Fuel. Uh, so you know, connecting to our social media accounts is the best way to get involved and and to start uh, learning more about what we're doing. And um, you can always check out OverwatchLeague.com for our schedule and uh, start tuning into the matches that start next week got it down well mike we've been uh, following you guys since the first season and we're really excited to have you on uh we'll be if, if not at the watch party for sure i'm looking forward to april out in allen uh making it a whole family weekend so it's cool to have the opportunity as the first place here in north texas to have home games so thanks for for dropping by and we look forward to supporting you guys this season no, i really appreciate you guys thank you deconstructing dallas sean williams ryan trimble will be right back after this Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, I'm fired up. I'm on fire for the Dallas Fuel. Big thanks to Mike Rufail for coming in. Yeah, I might go out and get my own hat so I don't have to keep <laughs> stealing Isaiah's and wearing it. But um, it's a good-looking hat, by the way, again. Yeah. I don't. I think that's like the 10th really time that we've said that. So we are definitely encouraging our listeners to go out and get you some Dallas Fuel gear. Support the home team. Yeah. Well, Mike did say just... Give it a couple days. Don't don't wait. If you really if you really need some Dallas fuel gear, go get it. But he did say they got some new stuff coming out pretty quick. Some hot told, like told fire. Told us off air. Yeah, hot like fire. Hot like fire. No, it, it's exciting to hear that we are one of the epicenters in the United States for gaming. And you know, as we talked about with Mike, the Cowboys are in, the Mavericks are in, Arlington, um, Allen. Got to see what our city that we live in, see what their gaming strategy is. That's that, right. That'd be good to know. I don't That's right. To figure out who that who's in charge of gaming for Dallas. Well, speaking of Dallas and games and teams, uh, the Mavericks have had a lot of action lately. Yeah, you know, I guess let's start with the trade that just happened. This Harrison Barnes trade was weird. I mean, he's out there playing his heart out, you know, giving all these guys. He's got three ten quarters. points, you know, <laughs> probably looking up, you know, to get a three and then gets called out of the game. And it's like, oh, yeah, you've been traded. You've been dealt. Yeah. You are now a Sacramento King. Mid game. And LeBron lit up lit up the Mavericks on Twitter. And uh... Le- LeBron made good points because we usually look at this for whatever reason. A lot of people look at it from the owner's standpoint. Oh, a player who wants to be traded like Anthony Davis – 
or their other new player, Kristaps Porzingis, who wanted to leave New Orleans, excuse me, New York, York. you know, they're looked at more as a selfish player who's trying to get what they want, but the ownership, they have to do what's best for the team, so everybody should just be, you know, kind of doing what's best for themselves. I, I guess so. I, I think guess so. so. I okay. think so. Do you do you have a different opinion? It sounds uh, like you. Might well, I mean, have a different at, at opinion. some, you know, look, hey, I'm a loyal guy, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm loyal to laundry too much. Probably is my issue. I mean, hopefully our Texas Rangers are a little better because I've been pretty loyal to that laundry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I see the same thing in college football, right? I mean, you got a coach who, at the end of the season, has an opportunity in basketball or football to go to a, a bigger school and yet they've recruited players <laughs> yeah. and so the coach they got leave. a bowl game coming yeah, up right. and the <laughs> coach leaves under the cover of night and, yeah. and says oh well it sends a text out yeah. to the team but then when a player wants to transfer it's like hey man you know you came here you made a commitment you should be loyal to the school you know I, I just think it works both ways that's my yeah opinion. yeah it's fair point fair but point. with all that said welcome to Justin Jackson welcome to Zach Randolph welcome to <laughs> that's Chris right. Poor Zingas. Chris stops the unicorn, Sean. I mean, when he's healthy, man, I really was enjoying his game right before he got hurt. It seemed yeah. like he had just figured it out. Yeah. Uh, I think he was averaging like 6.6 rebounds, two and a half blocks a game. And he can dribble. He can shoot. I mean, he's got range. And he's 7'3". That's yes. tall. That's rangy. Yeah. That is rangy. So, yeah, good luck. Good luck to the Mavs. Good luck to our other home team, the uh, mighty SMU Mustangs. They got some big games coming up. Uh, Cincinnati at home, UConn at home. So we'll see. They've they've had some uh, struggles on the road. They've played pretty well at home, and so we'll see. I know there's some boo birds uh, coming down for Coach Jankovic, but uh, you know we just want to see those guys win and and uh, hopefully make it back to uh, some some solid postseason action. Sean, well they've had the ponies have had a good run in basketball over the last few years, and and coaches has put some great teams on the floor so yeah. hopefully this is more of a rebuilding year it can get yeah. back back in shape yeah well thank you to everyone who has listened to this show on today we need you to keep feeding us this good energy keep um, visiting our Facebook page our likes have gone up keep up the retweets make sure that you go if you are a Apple podcast listener or listen on iTunes please leave us a review Give us a five-star rating. That helps. We want to thank Mike Rufail from Team Envy for coming in and dropping some knowledge on us in the gaming industry about the gaming industry. Thanks to Kurt Watkins from the Richards Group who helped us set up this in- interview. It's something we've really been trying to do for a while, so thanks, Kurt, for all your help on that. We want to thank Mary Woodleaf. Thank Jennifer Pascoe. Deconstructing Dallas is an Allen Media production. Uh, we will be back really, really soon. We've got John Killen on our schedule. We've got Kate Weiser coming up down the road as well. So stay tuned for Ryan Tremble. This is Sean Williams. Adios.